Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. We'll start there. We'll look at a couple passages and then um, I try my best not to rush through the material. Um, but what, what we'll do is a, we give you some of our main points, um, some of my main points. Um, I'll, I'll give you the passage and let you look at that afterwards. And um, always look at the Bible. Amen. Always look at it. But just for sake of time, I'll give you the passage um, and, and let you go ahead and, uh, and, uh, and, and check, uh, check on what's being preached, right? Nothing wrong with that. That's certainly a good thing. But thank you for being here. Thank you for sticking with the series, especially those of you who don't have children or you're past that stage in life. And I certainly just appreciate your, uh, uh, your faithfulness to church. Um, our very first week, we looked at the making of a prodigal. Um, prodigals don't just happen overnight. Uh, no young person just randomly wakes up and suddenly decides, you know, I don't want anything to do with God. Right? It's happened. Even though we haven't seen it happen, it, it's been happening. It's been a process. And we looked at a, a couple things in a passage, especially that the, the idea of entitlement and something that uh, we have to fight. And, uh, and there's more we could do to, to help ensure that our, our children don't grow up with an entitled mentality. And it's more than just... Um, uh, yeah, emotionally beating them down and calling them maggots, right? It's, it's not just about that, right? There's just, there's some interesting things that we do, is, especially as far as um, getting our children outside and, and enjoying nature and maybe planning vacations around, around nature and just being uh, in awe. And certainly that is, that is scriptural. Uh, uh, speak to the earth and uh, it, it'll, it'll teach us, right? So there's different things that we could do. Uh, second, we, we, we looked at uh, felony, misdemeanor, or insanity, the challenge of discipline, right? And it's, uh, it is a challenge. Discipline is, is part of being a parent, and it's not, it's not the fun part, for sure. And uh, no matter what you may think, young people, and what <laughs> may appear, your parents don't enjoy that part of being your parent. And, and it needs to be done with discernment and, and trying to figure out what is driving the bad behavior, right? What beliefs need to be corrected and, and, uh, um, and discerning if bad, uh, bad behavior is coming from rebellion or if it's coming from uh, immaturity or if it's coming from pain. And those need to be dealt with in, in different ways. And then uh, last week, uh, how our kids can survive our shortcomings. And uh, none of us are perfect. And some of us come into this thing with uh, more baggage than others. Um, but our kids can survive it. And, uh, and we need to uh, um, go at this with some humility, uh, parents. And then when we're wrong, make things right and say sorry and acknowledge when we're wrong and don't blame them when we've acted uh, wrong. We don't want them to blame, but we want them to, um, to take responsibility for when they've uh, done wrong. And we need to do the, do, do the same thing. And sometimes we'll blow it as parents. We need to acknowledge it and, and get things right biblically. And so we close it out um, looking at culture. And so tonight's, uh, uh, tonight's message is culture, the good, the bad, and whatever. You understand there's, that's, there's, culture just has all those elements. There's some good stuff to culture. There's some bad stuff. And there's stuff that really just is whatever, just doesn't matter. And really in, in, uh, in, in the Bible, there are some great areas, some concepts. And we'll, we'll take a look at that here in just a minute. And so culture, it, 
an oversimplification of culture is what we as people, what we do with the world around us, how we interact with the world and how we interact with people. And culture can, culture changes, right? Culture is different based upon regions and, and uh, it's, it, it, it can be a challenge for Christians. Why, and here's, here's the big challenge is we know that God is static, he's unchanging, right? And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and, and, uh, and no doubt that's true, and, and the Bible is unchanging, right? And then, but culture is not static, culture is dynamic. Culture changes, and it changes with generations. There, there are big differences. Um, I, I made mention in my first uh, uh, message how different it was. I, I was in youth ministry for, uh, as a youth pastor for 18 years, and, and the stuff that I dealt with at the end was way different from the stuff I dealt with in the very beginning. And really, I would yearn for those days in the very beginning where, where the, the biggest annoyances in youth ministry were, were kids who wouldn't silence their pagers during youth group, right? And now uh, it's a little bit more complicated as we all walk around with, with computers, really powerful computers, in our pockets. And there's good and there's bad with that, with that as well. And so culture changes. We know God does not, uh, but we need to be careful with how we approach the Bible and taking one concept and forcing it into another and, uh, um, and, and going into extremes because of that. And I used to preach it in this way that, hey, God doesn't change. So, um, and that was, that kind of fueled my, uh, uh, my distrust or my dislike of anything trendy. Um, I, one of my main points in the first, uh, uh, first message was just don't be weird. And I just had some weird beliefs. It, it came from a good place. It didn't change the fact that it was just plain weird. And uh, and then now, hey, I got my where, where's the, where's the Juan? And uh, so so Juan, I just I just uh, uh, me and Juan have a, have a joke now because uh, um, you know I, I I mentioned that I I preached against the uh, cargo pants. Um, because there was a point where they came in style. I was against anything that was in style, which is just a ridiculous way of looking at things because trends and, and fashions aren't necessarily bad, right? But just because it was in style it was cool, but I, and I preached against it. There was all kinds of weird and different things. And now, hey, it's, you know, culture does change and things change um, meaning. And so the challenge, hey, um, well, let's not get out of balance or go to extremes because, hey, we're, of course, we're trying to be like God and God doesn't change, so we shouldn't ever change, right? But the fact of the matter is we do change. We do. We do change. And navigating what changes are okay and what changes are not can be the challenge, and so I just like to look at some biblical principles on that. Just, I mean, this is certainly important for, for any Christian, but especially parents of teenagers. I mean, what this, this thing, culture, there's some, there's some bad, no doubt. There's some good, and there's just some stuff that, you know what, why are we making that big a deal out of some cultural things? They're just kind of, you know what, whatever, it's okay. Sorry, let's pray. Father in heaven, we need you. Pray that you'd uh, Guide us now as, as we look in your word and, uh, and just help us, Lord. Give us wisdom as, as we navigate the world that you want to reconcile. 
that you want to redeem to yourself, Lord. And we do pray, uh, uh, pray for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 17, are you there? I'd like, to look at the, I'd like you to look at this, uh, just a couple really neat statements here. Paul is preaching on, uh, on Mars Hill. He's preaching to the Athenians and uh, intellects. And, uh, but they're also, their religion is very pagan. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, take a look. We're not going to look at the whole passage, but from Acts 17, 22 through 30, and Paul is, is preaching. He's preaching about the God that can save them. And he's very gracious. Now, these Athenians, not only are they intellects, they're religious, and they're worshiping something. They're worshiping a God. There was an inscription to the unknown God. And it's tempting today as a fundamentalist, right? Um, uh, and, and we understand that just because somebody uses the word God doesn't mean that they are talking about the God of the Bible or worshiping the God of the Bible. And, and we may be too quick to, uh, to, to, to just use some harsh words and say, man, you are not, you're not worshiping God, man, you're worshiping the devil, right? But when you see this, and, and Paul, he's preaching truth, but he's actually really gracious. And he's not ripping them, but, but he's telling some truth there. It says, you have this inscription that you're worshiping an unknown God, but let me make him known to you. And so he doesn't feel this need to say, hey, this, what's your work, man? You're just a bunch of devil worshipers and sorcerers, and man, you're, you're a bunch of heathens. And you don't get that sense here. He's introducing them to God. I love that. I mean, look at verse number 26. And he says this, and hath made God of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth. I love that. You know, it, it, racism is a sin, right? It, it, our skin color doesn't matter. God hath made of one blood all the nations um, that, that, uh, that we have on this earth. And, and really, we all bleed the same, as, as, as the saying goes. And that's just, that's a strong biblical truth. And, and racism is a sin. God is the one who's created all this diversity that really most of us don't even see anymore, right? We don't think about that so much anymore, but keep on going. He had made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. So God has created all the nations from one blood, and he's appointed all these different times. He's aware of those things, right? And he's set boundaries for habitation, all those things. But that interesting statement there that he hath appointed the times, right? You understand? So God has placed us on this earth at this time. I know, stating the obvious, right? God did not place us in the 1950s. Now, some of you were alive and very aware of what happened in the 1950s. I was born in 1975. I, of course, I have no memories of the, of, uh, of the 70s, but I do have memories of the 80s. The 80s were um, uh, a conflicted uh, a decade. Fashion was just weird. Everything, remember, everything was just kind of in a triangle, right? You had the big uh, shoulder pads and everything was just kind of in a triangle, right? Big hair was the thing, right? And it was pretty much bulletproof. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You got your Aquanet and you just kept, you know, tearing up that Aquanet and, 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 and hair was bulletproof back then. I mean, so it was just a, a different world. And so God placed us, depending on your age and stage, you know, so God has placed you in these different appointed times and the way we interact with the world today is not the same of how everyone interacted in the world in the 1950s. 
Now, certainly there's some things, there's some, there's some wonderful things, some values that would be good to hang on to, right? No doubt about that. But there are some things that change that aren't necessarily bad. And so God has placed us in this cultural moment, this appointed time. This is where we are, not just regionally, but in a time frame. Here we are in 2021. And so God has placed us here. Now go to Philippians chapter 1, verse number 9. Um, Philippians chapter 1, verse number 9. Now, I, I understand, I, I get it. If, if people, there are people who want to hang on to a certain decade or time frame, and that's, that's fine. If you want to do that, but that's between um, you and God. I, uh, um, a lot of us would be aware of the Amish people, right? And they, uh, um, it's interesting. I, I've never been to, to Amish country, but I've seen pictures and videos of, of these, these people in their, their buggies, right? Their horse-drawn buggies, but they have the, uh, the reflectors on the back, right? They have to still abide by some, by some laws, but they're really trying to hang on um, to, uh, uh, to some really old ways, and they're against modernity, right? And I'm, I, I appreciate um, modern stuff. I, I like air conditioning. I don't want to go back to a place without air conditioning, right? Uh, th there's all kinds of different things. I like lights and electricity. I like Wi-Fi. I love Wi-Fi, right? When we first moved, uh, moved into our house there in, into Irvine, there was just kind of a mix-up of, of getting things set up in our house, and we were without Wi-Fi, for, for, uh, for uh, I think, three days. And, uh, but I, there is life without Wi-Fi. It's not a good life. It's not. But it's technically life, right? And so, no, I, pre I appreciate all those things. We're living in this age, and we adapt to it. And we take advantage of it, right? And everybody in here is taking advantage of Wi-Fi. You're not, yes, we, we can talk about, hey, how wonderful the values of the 1950s are, but we're taking advantage of all the good stuff that 2021 is giving us right now, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. Paul says this, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Okay, knowledge and judgment are important, right? But these things... We need to abound in love first and foremost. Why? Because without love, knowledge and judgment can be dangerous. Now, knowledge and judgment, they're not bad things, right? But without love, knowledge can puff us up. The Bible tells us that, right? Our, uh, our goal, my goal as a youth pastor was never that my young people could win a Bible trivia contest, right? I wasn't against that. We always tried our best when there was Bible trivia, right? But that wasn't the ultimate goal, that they knew stuff and they could win trivia, right? Because knowledge puffeth up, right? And judgment is important. The Bible does say, tell us to judge all things, right? But it also tells us to judge not lest you be judged. I mean, so it has to be done in the proper way, in the proper context. And love needs to drive this thing, the knowledge and the judgment and the discernment. If there isn't that love that abounds, both knowledge and judgment can be deceptive. They can be dangerous. Look at verse number 10. That ye may approve things that are excellent. Okay, that word approve means to test or examine, right? I mean, so there's some responsibility on our part as we navigate this world. And not everything is laid out for us. There aren't just um, these, these bright signs and fireworks from heaven that tell us that's wrong, and that's right, and that's okay. There certainly would be easier if, if God provided that for us, but it's not that way, 
And so we have a responsibility as Christians to test and examine, right? And so we do that, obviously, with the love that we have that abounds, our, our love for God and our love for people that abounds, that will guide this knowledge and this judgment. And so we test, we test, we examine, so we approve things that are excellent. Oh, yeah, that word excellent. Interesting word there. It means uh, to make matter or be better. So we're to examine things that, that actually matter, right? You know, there's just things in life that don't matter. If it doesn't matter, why, why are we going to fight over them, right? If it doesn't really matter, why are we going to have a hard and fast rule with these strong consequences that stuff doesn't matter? Well, hey, Pastor Jay, stuff matters in life, right? That's where we have to use some discernment, some biblical discernment. We have some knowledge and judgment that's driven by love that is abounding that'll help us test these things and understand, okay, you know what? That doesn't matter. Why am I making such a big deal of that? Why are we fighting about that? It doesn't actually matter, right? So the the word excellent, uh, to make matter or to be better or be of more value. And so sometimes in life we have decisions to make between things that are good and better, right? And so that takes, takes discernment. Things that are okay, it's fine, but here's what's better for our lives, for my spiritual health, or for the, um, for the salvation of souls, for the, uh, the health of the ministry. Yeah, yeah, this is fine, we can do that, and there's nothing wrong with that, but hey, this would be better. And it's our responsibility, all of us, to examine these things. And so obviously not just in a ministerial church sense or societal sense, but in our families, there's stuff that really just doesn't matter, but there's stuff that really does matter, and there's stuff that we're just gonna have to decide and help guide our kids in. So you know what, that's fine, but you know, this is of much greater value. This is a much greater value. And so we test and examine, all right, um, where there in verse 10, that you may prove things that are excellent, that you may be sincere, that word sincere, love it, it says it means to be judged by the sunlight, judged by sunlight, meaning, hey, there's nothing hidden here. This is, this is genuine. This is sincere. Right? There's, there's nothing that we can, we have to be embarrassed about. This would be judged by sunlight or um, uh, tested as genuine, right? And so we want to be real Christians, right? We don't want to just have a facade. Let's Let's be real. This, this thing is real. This relationship with Christ is real, right? So there's no need for a facade. Let's be sincere. Let's be genuine as we're testing knowledge. And, and here's what's super important. This is what's going to drive the rest of our study here. And without offense till the day of Christ. That word without offense. This is what the Bible word means. To be actively inoffensive. To be actively inoffensive is what this means. So we are to test, we are to approve all things, test it, examine it, to see whether it really matters, if there's, if we're choosing between good and better, right, or fine or really valuable, right, so that we can do this with sincerity, we're, we're genuine in our desire to please Christ, and, but while we're doing all this, we are actively inoffensive. Isn't that interesting? I think that we, we look at this verse in the, uh, on the surface and we, we get the idea, and there's nothing wrong with this. I mean, we want to navigate this world without the world corrupting us. And, and no doubt that's true. We have to be careful. 
There is that. That's biblical principle to, to not be spotted by the world, correct? But here's this principle. It's what it means to be actively inoffensive. And that's where cultural intricacies come into play. And there's some things in culture that aren't bad or we think, man, they're not nece necessary, but that might make things better for us as a family or better for us as we serve Christ and reach other people. But this obviously needs to be done with discernment. And so verse 11 says this, being filled with the fruits of, fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. So as we, as Christians, navigate culture and figure out how we're supposed to interact with the world and in this world, we have this as our foundation that we're filled with the fruits of righteousness. You know, that, that's the bottom line. Is this, is this righteous, right? And that it's unto the glory and praise of God. And we go into this thing with this heart that says, okay, I want to glorify God with this. I want to glorify God. And so there are some elements of, of, of culture that, yeah, there, there's no way that God is glorified in that. Okay, that's, that's cut and dry, right? But there's some things that just really don't matter. And we just need to kind of chill out on, right? And there's some things that we have to decide between good, better, and best, right? And so as we talk about culture, the good, the bad, and whatever, right? And so we take a look, first of all, at whatever culture. You know, there are some whatevers in, in scripture. So write this down uh, if you wanna check this uh, afterwards. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses five through 16, all right? Interesting passage about coming to church in head coverings, all right? And about hair length for men and women, right? And, and so it's, it's something that could be super contentious amongst different kinds of Christians, different kinds of Baptists, and uh, the Bible doesn't actually define how long is long, right? It doesn't define it there. We don't know. This is, this is something that authorities are going to decide, and you have to decide for yourself um, all these things. But this passage says something really, really important, verse number 16. And so Paul is giving instruction to this church that's having some drama, that's having some difficulty, and there's obviously some, um, some conflict about whether or not um, women should wear head coverings, and if men should, and how long is too long, right? All these things. And then he says this in verse number 16. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. He's like, well, okay, hang on. Hang on a second. If, if there's going to be contention about it, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. All the stuff with head coverings. But here's the thing, so to understand the cultural context of this ministry. Now, Corinth was a very licentious society. It, it's, it's so much so that the sensuality um, uh, pervaded even their religion. And so as part of their religious worship, they would commit um, these sinful sexual acts and there would be literal temple prostitutes. There would be prostitutes at the temple, the place of worship, right? The literal place of worship. And uh, for, for people to have relations with these prostitutes, they considered part of their religious duty. I and mean, that's how just depraved it was. And much like today, um, women of the night or streetwalkers or what have you, they have usually some type of 
exterior marker that designates them. And, and today, typically, it's a type of clothing or, or what have you, and, and obviously area that they're in, all those things where you know, okay, that's a, a street walker or a woman of the night, right? Now, here in Corinth, these temple prostitutes, their exterior marker, the way they told everybody they were for sale is with a, their hairstyle, and it was a shaved or shorn hairstyle for these women that were temple prostitutes. I don't know if it was completely shorn or was just a section that was shorn, I don't know, right? And so that's how everybody knew, oh, that's a temple prostitute, I can buy her by looking at her shaved head. Now here's the thing, so these people, they were Christians in Corinth though, and they were soul winners, amen? And they, they were going out in the highways and hedges, and they're going after the heathens. They weren't just going after the doctors and the lawyers. They were going into the temples and they were going after the prostitutes, amen? And they were going after the drug dealers and they were going after the evil people of their day, why? Because they all need Jesus, right? And so even the temple prostitutes, of course they needed Jesus and there were some faithful Christians in Corinth that led some temple prostitutes to Christ, amen? And got them out of that life. And of course, so they would start going to church when they walked into church, when they first got saved, they still had a shaved head. And everybody knew they used to be prostitutes. And so what the early church did in that day, they said, you know what? Let's do this because our past shouldn't matter. So let's just have everybody, let's all cover our heads. All the ladies, would you all just cover your heads so that these dear baby Christians, they just got saved. And that, so they won't be embarrassed about their past and it shouldn't matter, but they're embarrassed. And it's gonna take them some time for their hair to grow out, right? But until they do, can we do this at least for the baby Christians? They've got a past, but it doesn't matter. And so at least while they're growing spiritually and their hair is literally growing, can we at least relieve them of that embarrassment? Because hey, we're all one in Christ, we're bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, but hey, some of you were saved out of a life of fishing. Some of you are saved out of a life of agriculture, not that they had to get out of that, but there are a few in here that were saved out of a life of prostitution. And they're growing, and their hair is growing, and we just don't want them to be embarrassed. So ladies, this is what we're gonna ask you to do. Let's all cover our heads so that our new Christians won't be embarrassed. Isn't that beautiful? That's beautiful, right? But then he says, you know what, hey, if someone's going to be contentious, it's not that big a deal. It's not doctrine, right? This is a whatever. That's what verse 16 says. You know what, hey, if you guys don't want to, whatever, all right? That's a verse that you could, do. You could check it out and ask, ask me about it later another time. Then there's another whatever, Acts 16, 1 through 3, all right? A man by the name of Timothy, Paul's preacher boy, right? He's used of God right? Um, but his, uh, his complication, his, his family of origin, he had a Jewish mom and a Greek dad. The Jews back then in New Testament times, they had a beef with these types of relationships. They didn't like the Samaritans. Why? Because they, they, were, they called them half-breeds, right? And, uh, and, and that's, that's my, um, Pastor loves the, the, the show, The Chosen. My favorite moment is when Jesus is, tells the disciples they're going to go through Samaria. He said, we must needs go through Samaria. And one of the disciples says, are you telling a joke? Right? I, I don't know. I just thought it was a great moment. But anyways, um, and so they're like, no way. We're, we, we can't, there's no way we're going to Samaria. Why? Because they're a bunch of half-breeds. And so here's Timothy. He's trying to reach people. Right? And so he's starting, he's going to minister into an, in an area with a lot of Jews who are a little old school. And so Paul gets him to make a really significant cultural adjustment. 
has to get circumcised, all right? We make cultural adjustments. Usually they're not that big of a deal, but they did it, right? He did it, why? To increase his effectiveness in his ministerial um, context, right? But then there's also a man by the name of Titus. And look that up in Galatians chapter 2, verse 3 through 5. Titus didn't have the same issue. His, both of his parents were Greek. And he was not convinced he, that nobody told him that he had to get circumcised. He never had to get circumcised. It says there. He didn't have to. He, he was dealing with some false brethren in Jerusalem. All right? So there's still this element of working with Jews who might be old school, still some Jews, false brethren, but for whatever reason, his minister, Titus's ministerial context was different to where it didn't necessitate him making that cultural adjustment. So what do we see there? That's whatever. All right, Timothy, if that's going to maximize your effectiveness in your service to Christ, make that cultural adjustment. Titus, it doesn't matter for you. Don't worry about it, right? That is whatever. There's some things, cultural things in Scripture that we can see very clearly are, okay, you know what? It's not that big of a deal, right? So we see that in Scripture. We're going to see that in our everyday lives in society as we're raising families and just as Christians as we're trying to figure out how to glorify Christ in this really crazy world. So adapting to culture. Um, how do we adapt to culture and how we do it the right way? Well, what we just read. Prove that which is excellent, all right? Does it really matter, all right? Does the head covering really matter? No. It's a, it's a beautiful custom that they had, right, to make the new believers, the temple prostitutes, comfortable. Beautiful. But it's not doctrine, hard and fast doctrine, right? We prove what is acceptable or what is better, right? What is more valuable, all right, for Timothy to make a big-time cultural adjustment, it was better for his ministry. For Titus, it didn't matter, right? And so we use our discernment with those things. So, for example, um, missionaries, they, they will adapt to culture to endear, endear themselves to the people. Um, years, still in Bible college, so this is 25 years ago, and we had a, there was a, a team that went to Fiji, Right, and uh, um, I've never been to Fiji, but th this team came back, I and mean, they loved the culture, and they loved the people. A lot of people got saved. And remember coming back when they, uh, they gave their report to the, to the sending church, and there was, a, there was a, a guy who, he was my friend, a guy named Bill, but he was, he was 6'4", 320 pounds. He played football, just a large man. And so I remember they, they came out, and they were all going to give testimonies, and they were all in the traditional Fijian garb, right? And, uh, and it's flowery, it has kind of the big shoulder things, kind of like, a, you feel, are there any Filipinos in the house, like your barong dresses, ladies, there's the big old shoulders. And then here's Bill, 6'4", 320 pounds, in a dress. It's called a Sulu, right? And, and so it was, a, it was covering, it was, it, it, was, it was wrapped around him, stark white legs, right? I mean, it was long, um, and he was wearing flip-flops or something, but... I mean, here's this huge guy in what we would consider, I mean, that's, that's a skirt. That's a dress, right? That's an abomination, amen? And, uh, but, you know, obviously not. They're, in their culture, that was the traditional dress. And, of course, whenever, if you're reaching out to someone of a different culture, if you, if you show, just show an interest in their culture, oh, man, it just opens up stuff, right? 
And uh, I think of my, my friend Thomas over here. He's, he's from, from Britain. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume you like, you like tea. Coffee is better. You're in America now, Thomas, all right? So you need to adapt to our culture and, and switch from tea to coffee, okay? And, uh, I mean, but so yeah, they're, they're just the different things and just understand some things about culture. And especially if you... Um, if you'll take on their food, right? They love it, right? Different cultures, especially the weirdest food. They'll love it. I mean, Filipinos, they want you to eat bulut, all right? Just Google it. Not right now, all right? But, uh, um, but, but one of these days, you know, just try to figure out, find a Filipino friend and ask, tell them you want to try bulut, all right? And they will love you, all right? You won't try it once you look at it, but uh, I still have it myself. Um, but these, these different things to in, endure themselves to the people, and there's nothing wrong with that, all right? Now, that site of my friend Bill in a skirt has scarred me for life, right? But it sure did. The Fijian people loved him, right? And it certainly wasn't a, a sin. So making those cultural adapt adaptations are okay to increase our effectiveness. Um, I, I think of um, uh, yeah, when we were, we were prepping one of our, our, in, our, our youth groups, we, we, we went on amazing missions trips and one youth group, one youth mission trip in particular was we were headed, they, they were heading to India. And so in preparation for that, as, you know, we we're in contact with the, um, with the missionary and just wanted to prep them on, on cultural sensitivities. And one of the things we're meeting with the kids, like it's really important, they, they eat with their hands. All right, and, and us Filipinos, we get that, or we call it our Filipino chopsticks, all right? And we eat, we eat with our hands, no, no big deal, right? But in India, always eat with your right hand. All right, always eat with your right hand, right? So in India, much like the Philippines, toilet paper is not really a thing. It's not really a cultural norm. And so not, I'm not trying to be gross. I'm honestly not, but it's still gross. But, um, and it's, they, so they clean themselves with their left hand, right? And so if you are eating a meal with an Indian and you eat with your left hand, you will just gross them out. And that's messed up. You ought not do that, right? And so eat with your hands, eat with your right hand. It's not the big thing. Hey, it's not a sin for me to eat with my left hand, right? No, it's not. But then that's a cultural adaptation. That's something that we can do to be a blessing to people so that we don't just literally, it doesn't gross us out, but it just, it grosses them out, right? And so we make those different um, adaptations and that's okay. So, but if you choose not to adapt to culture, it's not necessarily sin either. So you, you can adapt to culture and it's not necessarily sin, right? right? Obviously, if there's, just, if there's something that's sinful, right? I mean, there's, there's cultures, third world nations in particular, where they just still run around naked, right? We're not going to go there, right? And that's just sin. There's, a, there's biblical principles for modesty, period, right? So we don't adapt in that way. But if, if it's not sin, then it's okay, to increase our effectiveness for Christ. And then the, on the other end, if you choose not to adapt to the culture, it's not necessarily sin either, but it might not be wise, right? It might limit us, right, in our effectiveness um, in, in reaching people to Christ. Um, the Apostle Paul himself said, he would be made all things to all men so that he could by all means save some. He said, if, 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 to the Jew, I'm gonna be like a Jew. So what he's saying? Hey, if I'm gonna reach the Jew, I'm not going to eat a ham sandwich in front of the Jew, all right? And we know there's nothing wrong with our BLT. We love bacon, amen, the age of grace. Come on, is the bacon is one of the markers of the age of grace, right? But in order, if somebody's offended by that, we could hold off, we could eat, eat our BLT sandwich some other time, right? 
And, and so he said, I mean, I'll be all things to all men. And so it might not necessarily, it might necessarily be the wisest thing um, to, to, to not make some um, adaptations to culture. Another example. So Filipinos, we, we, just, we just have some weird things. We're crazy, but we're cute. But we're, um, and so Filipinos have a, um, so, so one thing, if you, uh, um, are there, where's, where's my Filipino brethren? Um, so they're, they're not around. So if, if you do, don't, you don't call a Filipino like this, okay? You don't call a Filipino like this, all right? So to, to a Filipino, this is how you call, call your dog, all right? It's like, eh, Filipino brethren, live stream. That's not how we call dogs. You, you, that's how you call it. This is not calling dog. But this, how, this as Filipino, that's how we feel. And so if you're going to get a, a Filipino's attention, you don't do this. You, the, the, there has to be a downward uh, motion like this, all right? And that's acceptable, okay? And maybe not so much here in America, but if you're in the Philippines and you're trying to get the, get, you know, get the attention of your head, the head deacon over there, don't do this, all right? They could be very offensive. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. No, of course there's not, right? And if you want to go ahead and insist on that the next time you take a mission trip to the Philippines, go ahead. But it's probably not the wisest thing to do is my point here. There's just some things like, okay, whatever, we can, we can, I'll do this to my Filipino brethren and not do that because they feel like they're, you know, say, hey, Fido, come here. All right. And that's, 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 it's okay to make some of those adjustments in that way. So as far as we're talking about whatever, you know what, fashions and trends can be whatever. They can be bad too, right? There are some fashions and trends that are bad. And still, so parents, I did, I've encouraged you, don't be weird. But at the same time, don't stop being the parent. And so there are things, there are fashions and trends that sweep along and just in and of themselves, they are immodest, right? They are sinful. And so they are bad, and so we put our feet down, you know, you put our, put our foot down on those things, and they're not happening in the home, and you're not wearing that, you're not, it, right? You still have to be the parent if they're bad, but there are some things that are just whatever. And in each generation, here's the challenge, stuff that's normal to me are weird to this generation, and vice versa, right? I'm still waiting for, for MC Hammer Pants to come, come back around, right? And some of you, you kids have no idea what I'm talking about, but they were sweet, all right, MC Hammer Pants. Come on, Hammer, don't hurt them. Right, too legit to quit is what it, what it was. You know, these Hammer Pants, just look it up and just see if you, you, uh, you teenagers are, are attracted to that. But you know, fashions, they come and go, they come in, a, they come in cycles, right? And uh, hey, if, uh, uh, if you see them in the mall, you, right now you look it up, say, yeah, no way, Pastor, I'm not wearing the MC Hammer Pants. I don't care, it's not too legit to quit, right? And, uh, but if it comes back right, they, you'll probably be the first one in line, right? And hey, I, it's, it's, it's weird, it's silly, it's, it's, it sounds like it to us, but some things that are normal, that, that we're just normal. So you kids, you will never know the reality of, of truly having to research for a paper and going to the library and, 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 and pulling out the cards and going through the, you know, the Dewey Decimal System and finding all your, you will never know that, that was awful. Oh, my soul. Now you have it so easy. It's just at a click. You have information just like you will never know that, right? And it's just, these are crazy ideas that our phones used to hang on the wall, Right, and they were limited by. Uh, yeah, I mean, you were cool. You were a family that was uh, that was you know that was cutting edge. If you had the extra long uh, um, wire, right, so you could walk around with that thing, right. You you will never know. And these things, 
seem like they're crazy, but to us, man, that, that was life back then, right? And so, so there are, there are some things that our parents, hey, it's really, it's just whatever on that. Okay, we could, we could have some leniency. Remember what you were like at 16, you know, when you were, you know, you're looking at some trends and that was pretty cool to you too. And the bottom line, is it sinful? Is it sinful, right? Is it going to lead them down a bad path, right? That has to be done with discernment, I understand. And so there's also, and I'll, I'll just close with these two, two last, and I'll, I'll be quick with that. So there's the good and there is the bad, all right? Um, uh, the, the good right now, I mean, we're living in the information age, right? And, and so um, this generation, uh, you, don't, you don't know the reality in which knowledge wasn't available instantly 24-7, right? Uh, a lot of us in here, we had to wait till the library was open or what have you, right? 24-7 and you can get knowledge instantly. If I ask you a history question or what have you, you could, it'll take you seconds to find the answer for it, like right now. And so there's good to that. Praise the Lord. I mean, I'm, I'm, let's take advantage of those things. That's, that's great, right? But, I mean, in our culture today, I mean, there's still part of our culture, just ingrained into our culture now is the sensuality, um, relativism. We're living more and more in an anti-Christian world, right? And so how do we, how do we fight against those things? So here's the thing, when, when cultural anthropologists or sociologists are studying culture, uh, they, they have three really important concepts. is the originators... Champions is what I like to call them, and then institutions. The originators are the, philosoph the, the philosophers and, and, and high thinkers and intellects of the day. Um, they're, they're not super influential, actually, because, you know, they're usually boring. But they come up with ideas, right? Whether it be uh, socialism or this relativism, all these things, they come up with ideas. Then it's the champions. The champions are dangerous. The champions are the influencers, right? You know, you know what I'm talking about. The influencers of that day, you have social media influencers, and you just have celebrities that just spout out garbage, and just because they're cool, they have the ear of our young people, these champions. So they take ideas, and it's the champions that spread them, and then it's institutions that maintain the culture. And so what are the institutions we have today? We have family, right? God, uh, God ordained the church. There's government, education systems, the media. And then so here's... Here's the scary part and the difficulty. Yes, we've got the family. That's us, right? We've got the church. That's us. But then the government, oh, my soul. We try our best to vote, encourage other people to vote, right? The education system. And, and hopefully you have a choice and you take advantage and put your kids in a good, good education system, not just a propaganda system, all right? And then the media, they control so much information, right? So when there's so much bad information out there, I mean, just think of it as an ocean, a flood of information. It's not enough for us as parents to just add our information. It's like you just consider it like a, a waterfall, right? You have this big, beautiful, torrential waterfall, and you get your eyedropper of information into that. Because there's so much information out there, our little drop, if we just add to it, it's so easy for truth to get drowned out because we are living in the information age and there is so much. These champions of culture, they are loud, they are good looking, they are athletic, they are rich. All these things that are attractive, right? And if, if we think it's just enough for us to add more information, no, it's not enough. We actually have to combat the bad and we have to deal with the bad. And so there is bad in our society. 
So um, just if you're taking, just write this down. Young people who have questions, they're either seekers or scorners. And I'm convinced that most young people who have questions are actually seekers. They want to know the truth. They want to know why. Sometimes, sometimes young people are scorners. And the Bible has some strong things to say about scorners. It's a bad place when you're a scorner and you're actually mocking the things of God. That's a scorner. The Bible says to cast out the scorner and contention shall flee. I mean, that's how strongly the Bible. But I, but I believe, I honestly believe that most young people, when they have questions, they're seekers. And I love the statement, truth doesn't fear a challenge. All right? And so, so, so parents, anybody who's, who has influence or authority over young people, let's, I, I think, I believe it's really important that we have a culture, that you have a family culture, we have a church culture, we have a school culture in which questions are, are not automatically seen as rebellious. That maybe we, we default to, it, okay, this is a seeker, unless we know they're a scorner. We can discern that later, we deal with that. We have to deal why they're a scorner, why. Typically that comes out of some type of pain, all right? But most young people are seekers. And so let's have an environment families, let's have a, an environment where it's okay to ask questions. Why? Why do we, we believe that? Why do we do things that way? Why can't we go there? Why can't I watch that? All right? And, and uh, there, there may be some frustrations. Why? Because they just don't know why, right? And so let's not be afraid of questions. Um, uh, it, when, as, as youth pastor, we would have debates, and I'd split the young people into debate teams, and so we would tackle um, uh, issues of the day, and uh, really important issues, and we'd have uh, the, the, the negative versus the affirmative, and, and sometimes the wrong side would quote unquote win, right? And people say, what? They were wrong, right? How could they win? Well, they debated better than the right side did, and my point was to teach young people how to logically think, right? And teach people what an argument, what a legitimate argument actually is, right? An argument isn't name calling, right? An argument isn't an assumption. An argument is built upon facts, right? And how we logically make decisions is really important for me to say, hey, so this is what happens. This is why the right, you were right in this, you know, this, you were, you, you took the, you were, you had the biblically right answer, but you didn't use any real logic. You just gave me sound bites. You didn't use the Bible properly. That's why you lost the debate, even though you were right on topic. And so that was one thing that I did. And, and I'm not saying, hey, in your family, set up debate teams, right? Uh, but, but at the same time, there has to be some way in which we engage our, our, our young people. Um, and I don't know exactly how that's the button. I could help brainstorm with you. I don't think family time should be, oh, let's gather around and let's watch CNN tonight. And we're going to break down every single one of these. And then tomorrow we're going to watch Fox News and we're going to break down. I, no, that's probably not it, right? But certainly as things come up, and once again, if our, if our kids are confident they can ask questions and not be labeled immediately a rebel or scorner, then let the questions come because they're there. And they're getting answers from somewhere, from all other champions, right? They're getting answers from somewhere. Let's, let's op open the door to some questions so that we can give them the truth. So we give them the truth. And so in living away, that makes it clear, that makes it clear that we're committed to not just going with the culture, so to speak, but changing the culture in any way we can. This, this, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. God made this world and God wants to reconcile it to, him, to himself and he's given us that, that ministry. And so if, if, our, if our kids see us truly invested in that, 
And so that's why, that's why we're faithful to church. And, and we, 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 we take part in outreach and we invest our time and we invest our money and our kids see that and they're a part of that. And here's the thing, it, it, the more you invest into something, the harder it is to walk away from it, right? If you invested money and time and energy, and so if church is something that you just barely go to and I'm, I'm talking to the Wednesday night crowd, I get it. But they just keep that at the forefront. Hey, let's, let's pour our lives into it just as a family. And that's really what, what I, one of the things I saw with young people. Those that I consider, that me and Brenna considered the everything teens, what I'd call them. They were there every single Sunday, every single midweek, every activity, every cap. They were there at everything. Even if they had a rough season, they spent their time as knuckleheads. For some reason, they just couldn't leave the church. Why? Because they were invested in it. They invested a lot of time into it. It's hard to walk away. It's hard to walk away. All right, culture, there's good and there's bad. Deal with it. Don't stop being a parent. And if you have questions, mom and dad, and if you just, if you need to continue to grow, I mean, there's help. There are some mature Christians here that will help you grow in that. All right. If, you, if, if questions come, don't be, don't fake your way through it. Say, I don't know, but we're, we're going to find the answer. All right. The good, the bad, and then whatever. And that's, that's where you, you're going to have to use some discernment. Is that really that big a deal? Is it really that big a deal? All right, young people, I hope you know we are for you. Young people, we're for you. We love you. God loves you. has an incredible plan for your life. And parents, we're for you as well. We're for you as well. And God bless you as, uh, as I know you're, just trying, you're trying to do your best for Jesus. And keep on. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.